Have the Sabres caught the lightning? Very excited to talk about the next team in our Atlantic breakdown here in the Locked On Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Excited to talk today with everybody about the Tampa Bay Lightning as we continue to go team by team in our Atlantic Division breakdowns. If you missed our previous episodes on the Boston Bruins or the Toronto Maple Leafs, you could do so uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now or wherever you may be watching this podcast. Our YouTube channel is free and open to you. Uh, we ha- have love to check out the comments section or the tweet sheet on our Twitter at Lockdown Sabres um, or in this instance, a couple of comments on the Leafs, the last team we broke down uh, on our YouTube channel. I'll get to that in a second, but we've got the Lightning to get to today. What they were last year, what they're going to be this coming year, additions, subtractions, and have the Sabres closed the gap with Tampa? I think they could have with Boston. Doubt very highly they have with the Maple Leafs, but we'll get to uh, my feelings on the Lightning for this. But A lot of comments on our last show about the Toronto Maple Leafs and, you know, kind of the same sentiment um, that, hey, there is some risk in this team long term, but on the short term, I mean, come on, Uh, Matt or Matrix 420 or uh, 4200, I should say, sent in, although I'm a Leafs fan, I'm also a minor Sabre fan, Sabres are better on paper than last season, but The Sabres have never been the available talent on the team. There's something sinister about the culture in Buffalo that puts players in the wrong mindset. Uh, That, to me, is a loser mentality that does not exist currently in Buffalo. That right there is something that you would think exists in Buffalo just because it's the Sabres and it's the ownership group. But the Sabres, I think, have done a great job at flying in the face of what that comment is. And they have weeded out former players they thought were contributing to that. And now they're at a point where the culture is better, where you have leaders like Kyle Poso and Alex Tuck leading the locker room. And there doesn't sound or seem to be any issues on that front whatsoever. It's a pretty positive, happy situation, it feels like right now. If losing starts to trickle in, We'll revisit. We'll have a new conversation about that. But um, I don't think that that culture shock, uh, not culture shock, but that there is something just in the air, dark cloud, you know, in the arena. Uh, I think that dark cloud has been, you know, thrown out. So uh, disagree wholeheartedly uh, with that one. Um, so I like the Leafs a lot, though, to go back to our last episode. But today we are here to talk about the lightning in Tampa. I think is very, very interesting for what they're going to be this coming year. I have no clue which way the wind is going to blow on this one. If you made me pick, though, one side or the other, I think I am leaning towards some big, a big step back is coming for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The odds do not represent that. Our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook have the Lightning as having the seventh best Stanley Cup odds in the NHL behind Colorado, Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, Edmonton, 
and Vegas. Then you get to Tampa at plus 1,400, just a little bit better than Boston for that. So there is still respect uh, for this Lightning roster and for the leadership group, the talent up top. And last year, they were all pretty darn good contributors. Nikita Kucherov did what he normally does, 113 points. Braden Point did what he normally does, 51 goals for Braden Point. Steven Stamkos did what he normally does, over a point a game, 34 goals, 84 points. And how about former Sabre Brandon Hagel, who's been an integral part of their part, their top six for a year and a half now? 64 points, 30 goals scored um, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they get their production on the blue line from Mikhail Sergachev. Victor Hedman, though. Victor Hedman, little bit of a down year. And we'll we'll see what that's going to look like this year. He might be a bit of a question mark. Not for... Can he be the number one defenseman? Can he be a minutes eater for Tampa Bay? But can he still be a Norris level defenseman for Tampa Bay like he has been in the past? Because even though he's still really good and even, I would say, great number one or top pair defenseman, he's not the Norris guy, or at least he wasn't this past season. Can he get back to that? First time in a long time for Victor Hedman in Tampa that he did not lead the team in ice time. Mikhail Sergachev actually came over top of him. 23 minutes, 49 seconds a night. Hadman just below that, 23 minutes, 43 seconds per night. Um, back to Stamkos, by the way, as we talk about Tampa aging. You know, they are one of the older teams in the NHL. Um, their bottom six, you know, is getting older as well. Luke Glendenning is an older player that they brought in to fill in a role. Connor Sherry, we'll talk about them, though, in a couple of minutes. Um, but well, we just talked about Hedman. You know, what's he going to be? What form is he going to be in the coming years? Well, Stamkos is a bit of a question mark as well. He had some big regression from the previous season. 21-22, Stamkos, 42 goals, 106 points this past year, 34 goals, 84 points. I mean, we all, I think, knew there would be some regression for Stamkos and that it was a little hard for him to maintain 106 points. He had never had 100 100 points in his entire NHL career. He did it at age 31. Age 32, he came back to earth, but he came pretty far back to earth. I mean, a 22-point drop is a pretty massive drop for Stamkos. Um, So we'll see what he is at this age. This will be his age 33 season. He will actually, he is 33. Uh, In fact, he'll turn 34 in February. So Stamkos getting a little bit older. Hedman getting a little bit older. A lot of their other pieces are still young enough that you can count on point. You can still count on Sirkajeb, Vasilevsky, of course. But two key members at the top where we got to see what they're going to look like, uh, I think, year to year here. But this is the dynasty of hockey of the last 10 years. Um, Consistently a winner, multiple Stanley Cups. And they they have my respect, you know, for what they've done and what they've built. Um, I guess maybe I'm a little a year early on them, but I wasn't on Chicago. I was on Pittsburgh, but I wasn't on Chicago. And I might want to predict the demise of Tampa for this season. Um, and when I say demise, I might just want to say a little bit of a step back from Stanley Cup contender to more of a playoff contender. We'll get to that, though, a little bit later on in the show. When we come back, I want to dive in on some major subtractions that Tampa suffered this offseason with not much coming in. So we'll go through why they've gotten worse on paper. 
going into this season. When we come back on the Lockdown Sabres podcast, we are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. If you want to bet the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup, you could do that right now at FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, I would not advise that. Uh, plus 1,400 for the Lightning. Sabres plus 4,000. Pretty significant drop for that. But you've got some sports going on right now, of course. You know, you've got the FIFA World Cup, Women's World Cup that's coming up in a couple of days. Uh, you've got the Open Championship, and you've got baseball. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball and FanDuel. You get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks. You'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you could spend betting anything. The money line, over-unders, who you think is going to score the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to the Locked On Sabres podcast at Sneaky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the subject for today's Atlantic breakdown or sail across the Atlantic continues. We'll get into some of the teams um, that are going to be below the Sabres in a little bit. Florida coming up, of course, next for you everydayers. Additions and subtractions for the Lightning this offseason. It was an offseason about getting under the cap for Tampa Bay. They went into the offseason way over the salary cap. And in fact, at this moment, they're still a tad above it, you know, about a hundred grand. They can get below that pretty easily. Um, but they started the offseason way above the salary cap. And because of that, they had to say goodbye to some pretty good players. Two in particular, Alex Kalorn, who has been a staple of the Lightning's middle six for their entire cup era here. Alex Kalorn, um, a, a great find by Steve Eiserman back in the day. Uh, actually, he might have been pre-Steve Eiserman, 2007 for Alex Kalorn. Third round pick, um, played at Harvard, entered the league for the Lightning as a 23-year-old, played 805 games, 466 points, uh, three of the last four years with 20 goal seasons, and he would have had four in a row if not for that COVID-shortened year. Um, he turned into a consistent, 45 to 65 point player this past season, his career high, actually 64 points in 82 games played. That's a loss. They were not able to resign him because they just had no cap space. How about Ross Colton? Another pretty good player that has not been around nearly as long as Kalorn has, but three years for the lightning. They, they developed him. He was a fourth round pick seven years ago. They turned him into a good player, showed up at age 24, and had a nice 20-goal season in his first full year with the team, then backed that up with 16 goals. Again, a nice middle six player for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And what happened? Time to pay him as an RFA. They didn't have any money. They had to trade him away. They did to the Colorado Avalanche. He signed a four-year deal actually yesterday. So another player that they're going to miss, not a key foundational player, but a, a, a nice player that they're going to have a tough time, I think, replacing. Other, some play, other players further down the depth chart that the Lightning lose, uh, Corey Perry, of course, 
on their fourth line. They had to send him away in a cap dump related move. They had to do the same with Pat Maroon, who's been a staple of their fourth line for a couple of years running. And those guys weren't key contributors. You know, Perry last year at age 37, 12 goals in a full season. Uh, Pat Maroon, five goals, one of his worst years as a pro. 34 for Pat Maroon. You know, I mean, anything's going to be better than that, I think. He just can't skate anymore. So that one really not a loss. Perry, though, actually is still kind of half decent as a fourth line player. Uh, but again, that's more minor anyway. They lose Brian Elliott as a backup goaltender. He was not good last year. They replaced him actually with Jonas Johansson, who hasn't even really been an NHL goaltender. And we'll see if he can make that jump. He had a very strong season, former Sabre draft pick, very strong season in the AHL last year. And the Lightning are going to be asking him to take a jump into the NHL as Vasilevsky's number two. But all in all, what is it? It's cap dumps. It's you can't sign Ross Colton. You can't sign Alex Kalorn, two key players of your middle six. And who'd you bring in to replace him? Connor Sherry, former saver Connor Sherry, the only addition they were able to make all offseason. That's it. And what's Connor Sherry? I mean, he is fast and he'll throw the puck in the net a few times, but. He's not so nothing to write home. I mean, about. I mean, I think Colton is a better player and a more versatile player, and I think Kalorn is a far more established goal scorer in the league. Um, if you look at Sherry's last couple of years since leaving Buffalo, fourteen goals for Washington, nineteen goals for Washington, fifteen goals for Washington. Okay, he'll help a little bit, but I just don't think he's nearly as good as the two players that they're missing out on. So I think the Lightning depth which is a part of their core build that was important to their cup run was that they could run three, four lines at you and score goals on each line. And, you know, whether that was the Tyler Johnson line back in the day when he was in his prime, or there was a time where Anthony Sorelli, who's now the lightning second line center was their third line center. They just were at a a point where they were much deeper. They still have some depth. They still are pretty deep. I mean, they got the top line of point Kucherov Stamkos. The second line, I mean, what I saw a projection of the other day was Anthony Sorelli centering Brandon Hagel and Connor Sherry. Sherry's kind of a weak point there, but the other two are really strong. And then your third line has Nick Paul and Tanner Janot on it and just fill in whoever you want on the other spot. So I would say, I mean, you've got, what is that? That's a great top line. And that's a second and a third line with a very strong duo. You just got to figure out what to do with that third spot. I think you could get by with that, but you are going to have a couple of weak links in your middle six, and you're going to have a really weak fourth line um, for Tampa. Can they get over that? Probably. But it's going to come down to how much can you rely still on Stamkos and Hedman, you know, to, to eat big minutes, eat big rolls, because now it's going to be even more imperative that they do it because they don't really have backup plans. If Stamkos gets hurt like he has in the past, who replaces him? Before it was, well, I have Don Johnson and I have Sorelli and we can point to center and we're, we're good. We got the goal scorers all over. Now it's uh, calling someone up from the AHL, putting Connor Sherry on my top line. They just, there aren't the answers depth wise that there used to be um, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's a little look at their offseason. Um, again, there wasn't much they could do. They just have reached a point in their build where they can't afford to pay people anymore because they've got Kucherov at nine and a half million point at nine and a half million stamp goes, by the way, who's going into the final year of his contract at eight and a half million. They paid Anthony Sorelli at 6.25. I don't have any problem with that, but a consequence of that is you're going to have to say goodbye to some other depth pieces, but you know what? They had to make a choice. Um, and looking back on that, I think they made the right pick. I think Sorelli was a more integral piece to keep than Kalorn or Colton. Um, Hagel is the other one. Brandon Hagel 
former Saber draft pick that they never signed. He has turned into a very, very strong second-line player in the NHL. As I mentioned, last season, 30 goals, 64 points for the Lightning after a year where he had 25 goals um, for Chicago and Tampa Bay combined. Hagel is in the final year of his contract, and then he's a restricted free agent. That could be a guy they have to say goodbye to next year or They'll have to find a way to work out some cap flexibility and send some people, more people off the roster, but they're running out of people to do that with. So that's a look at Tampa's offseason and their current structure. But what does it all mean? Have the Sabres caught Tampa just by even the Lightning losing guys? We'll get to that when we come back here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Sabres your first listen every day. Sneaky Joe DiBiase back here on the show. Have the Buffalo Sabres closed the gap with the Tampa Bay Lightning? I asked this question about Boston. I feel pretty strongly that the gap has shrunk in a big way. Have it Has it closed with Toronto? That I'm skeptical of. I think the gap is still pretty large between the two. Maybe not as large as Ben, but still there. Tampa Bay. I'm one to think the Sabres are going to pass the Lightning, and it's going to happen this year. I'm more confident about this than I am about the Sabres passing Boston. Um, I think it's the age of the Lightning. You know, their average age up front is 28.2. Their average age on defense is 28.4. And meanwhile, you compare that to the Sabres, who are, of course, we know one of the youngest teams in hockey, up and coming. Their average age on the forward group, 26.3, and on defense, 25.8. They're almost two full years younger by average up front and three years younger on the blue line. And they played... They played pretty well against the Lightning last year. Um, you know, there was that, of course, the Ilya Labushkin game. How could we forget the the Ilya Labushkin game? Overtime go- goal, shorthanded. Couldn't believe that they won that, that hockey game. Um, but you look back at some of the other games that the Sabres played the Lightning. Second last game of the season with Eric Comrie in that. Sabres went 5-3 to three over Tampa. Tampa probably mailed it in a little bit at that point, but you had that game. Um, I mentioned the 6-5 overtime win where it's a, it's a win by Ilya Labushkin on February 23rd. That was a win by the Sabres in that one. Um, if you go back to November of last year, 6-5 to five overtime loss, a thrilling game against the Lightning where uh, the Sabres actually go back to that game real quick. The Sabres. Yeah. I, I remember that they outshot Tampa in that one loss 37 to 25 over the lightning, but they just couldn't get the goaltending. Ukapeka Lukanen was in goal. Remember the Sabres had a five, three lead in that game, but they just couldn't close it out. And then the first game of the season, the two played each other five to three, the lightning over the Sabres. Um, then that game a little bit more weighted in Tampa's favor, but, Sabres played pretty well against the Lightning last year. I think the second half of last season is very telling. Sabres didn't even have Devin Levi yet. They had him for some of the end of the year. But I got a pretty big sample size for you where the Sabres were a better hockey team. Look at last year, January 1st on. That's a that's a big sample. That is a 48-game sample. And from January 1st to the end of the season last year, the Buffalo Sabres had 53 points. Tampa Bay had 51 points. From the new year on, the Sabres were the better hockey team. They were the better hockey team. And if you look at, you know, if you look at, um, for instance, the Sabres' growth in the second half of the year, the 
the young players stepping up, Casey Middlestat, you know, Jack Quinn kind of coming to his own. I know he's injured, but J.J. Paterka figuring things out at the end again. There were some pieces that weren't necessarily contributing early on or weren't even a part of the team early on that started to get going, and Tampa faded. And I wonder if that's going to be the story of this season, again, is that the Sabres are young, their legs are fresh, and they can withstand the rigors of a, a full season like that energy-wise energy-wise, maybe not experience-wise, but energy-wise, whereas the Lightning, look what happened to them. They fell apart because they just are old, and I wonder if that is going to be enough to get the Sabres over the hump in addition to all the subtractions that Tampa had this offseason, and any injuries that go Tampa's way, they're not really built to withstand. Meanwhile, the Sabres, I mean, I think they're very well built to withstand a lot of injuries right now, both forward and they figured that out in the blue line. They're definitely not in goal, but they definitely are, I think, at forward and, and defense. So I think it's going to be close. I think this is a team Sabres are going to be competing with throughout the whole year, right to the end of the year. I think it's going to be the Sabres and the Lightning battling for a playoff spot. Maybe they both get in. Maybe they both find themselves into wild card positions. But I think these two teams are going to be in the very the, the same range uh, this coming year. But I'll believe it when I see it to some extent because the Lightning have been so good for so long. Um, and yes, sometimes I am a year early on teams like this predicting their demise, but I'm predicting the demise of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I feel pretty good about the Sabres' chances of leapfrogging them uh, this coming season, 23-24. Let me know what you think. Do you think the Sabres can jump the Lightning as soon as this year? You can do that on our YouTube channel, or you can do that on Twitter, read some tweets uh, at Lockdown Sabres if you want to participate that way. All right, next time on the show, we are going to get to the Florida Panthers. So stay tuned for that. We've got our Sabre Super Draft coming, and we've got uh, some other team breakdowns in the Atlantic Division as well as we work our way through the division this offseason. Uh, Jacksonville Iceman, by the way, ECHL affiliate of the Sabres, if you missed that news. The Cincinnati Cyclones are no more, and it's now the Jacksonville Iceman. Couldn't tell you a single thing about them other than, all right, the Sabres have a Florida, uh, a Florida affiliate. So I'll have to go see if I can go cover some games down there. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. You can hit us up on the show, YouTube or Twitter. We'll read them next time on the show, and we'll talk about the Florida Panthers next time here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast.